forgiveness of sins is how we enter into the kingdom, but it's not the entirety of the good news. The entirety of the good news is that God wants to be able to see this culture of love and justice and, and, and good relationship between him and each other to be lived out. And yes, forgiveness is with him is where it starts, but it's by far not the end of the story of the gospel. So then how does this gospel of the kingdom affect all areas of culture? Welcome to the CDM Podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians become world-changing disciple makers. Hello, and welcome to the CDM Podcast. Like, share, five-star rate, and review this podcast. You can listen to our full premium content by becoming a $5 a month supporter on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash faithworks, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash faithworks, or click the link in the description. To those of you who support this podcast, thank you. Your support helps us put tools in the hands of men and women like you who want to experience a disciple-making movement in their own neighborhood. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Rebecca Ewing. Uh, movement coach and COO of Contagious Disciple Making. And yes, I am flying solo today. And uh, But today we're going to talk about how does the gospel change culture. Now this is a, a topic that is very near and dear to me. Uh, growing up in America and uh, evangelicalism and you hear this all the time, the gospel changes everything. You know, and it's the answer to all of our problems is the gospel. You know, so all the riots, the injustice, the corruption in the government, the families that are broken, poverty, abortion, selfishness, racial t- tensions, all of this is taken care of in the gospel. And we hear this on church stages and in answer to the causes and cultural issues that are happening in the day. And most of the time, if not every time, that's where the answer and explanation stops. Um, and, I, and I'm sure what they're meaning and hoping is that if a person comes to know God, they'll just believe and act right because now they know God. So now they'll vote right, help others, educate right, seek reconciliation with others, write songs and movies that glorify God, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So all we need to do is, is, is get enough individuals saved and, and tending church, and then we've got it. You know, we've, we've got it in the bag. And, you know, I've, I've heard this a lot growing up. In fact, even in uh, the school that I went to, they encouraged us to not get involved in education and government, and public education, that is, government and, you know, entertainment and media and all that and said, you know, that is not how people are saved. They're saved by the gospel. And so this, all this stuff is useless. So don't, don't even bother just basically, you know, Hey, you know, the gospel and then everything will fix itself. And however it, you know, I I felt like, is, is that really the entire answer is just saying that the gospel is just going to fix everything. And while there, I mean, obviously there's a, I agree with it that that knowing God does fix everything, ultimately. 
I, I felt like there was some missing piece that actually kind of connected things together and to, to really show how all that worked. I want to also just bring in with a point and say, you know, we don't even evangelize like we say we would. So if we say the gospel fixes everything and so therefore we need to go out there and, you know, give the gospel to people or bring them to church, by and large as a church, we're really not doing that. You know, we're, we're not putting enough as the average person effort into actually going out and spending time with lost people to where on a consistent basis to where inviting the church, inviting them to church would actually feel comfortable for them or seem like something that they really would do. Um, we also don't spend enough time with lost people that when we give a presentation that they might be likely to receive it and, and, and everything. And, and even if some of us do, even if we go out there and we try to invite people to come to church, a lot of people just don't. It's, it's not something they're comfortable with. And so we're, we're having a hard time even getting people to church to be able to make this, the solution, you know, happen. And, and even if there are some people out there who are, you know, desperate enough to know Jesus and God to come to church and pray to receive Jesus there, then why hasn't this resulted in massive cultural change? So if, if the answer is we just need to uh, you know, get people to sign up on the dotted line and come into our churches and attend, then why is it that we're not seeing this match of cultural change? We have tons of churches all around the U.S. I mean, yes, there's some areas that are more church than others, but there's tons of people there that know Jesus. So why aren't we seeing this, this cultural change that should come just if people know God? And so what is missing here? What What could be the answer then? What is the complete answer? So as we are approaching the subject, um, I just want to put out there is when we're thinking about this idea of culture and society, you know, how do we define it? Well, here at CDM and other places, you know, we talk about describing a lot of culture and the areas of uh, the different areas of culture. So government, education, media, arts and entertainment, business, faith, family. And so there are these different spheres, spheres in which we express um, a culture's questions of morality and ethics. So it's through these different spheres that we actually say, how should we live and, and you know, what is important in life? And, and it's in these spheres that these things are discussed and lived out and the values that are plainly seen, and that's how we express it, is through these different ways inside of culture. And as societies become more complex, you know, they go from maybe just a village with, you know, a small village in the middle of nowhere uh, to a complex metro city, uh, metropolis, we see that the, the society becomes more and more complex within itself. And so our culture, how does then it bridge from the gospel to how we express these different beliefs? How does it come out to that? So I think what it's important for us to know now, and this is something that I really kind of came to a realization of as I was studying the gospels, is what is the gospel in the first place? 
Now you might be sitting there like, whoa, where is she going to go with this? <laughs> hold on, hold on. You'll see where I'm going. So if we are going to be perpetrating the gospel, spreading the gospel, because we're, we're followers of Jesus, we need to know exactly what the gospel is. And Jesus is the definition of what the gospel is, right? So if we're going to be spreading Jesus's message, we need to know what his message was, what he said the gospel was. Well, let's take a look at that. So if you look at Mark 1, verses 1 through 20, particularly in verses 14 through 15, it says there that now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. So it says the gospel of God. So he's proclaiming the gospel and he says the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. So that's what the people were supposed to believe, that the kingdom of God was at hand. Again, in Matthew 4, 17, it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Luke 4, 43, he says, but I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. In other words, the gospel of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. So he's, he's proclaiming this gospel of the kingdom. So that's what he, this is overall, the kingdom of God is at hand. And when he stood up inside of the synagogue and opened up the scroll to read from Isaiah, he said, it, as it reads, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to claim the year of the Lord's favor. So here we see him proclaiming this kingdom in which there is relational and personal freedom expressed with God and amongst each other and even in the physical realm. And so the and even tells us that we need to pray that is will be done on earth as is as it is in heaven. So we are supposed to seek this kingdom. And that, you know, Matthew 6:33 that we're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And as you he talks about all the from Matthew 5 and other different of his major sermons, he's talking about this kingdom. All these parables of the kingdom and that the kingdom is now and and that it is beginning to be played out on here on earth as we do his will on earth as it is in heaven. So we see community and personal freedom. We see love and peace and justice being played out to one towards one another. That the laws of the kingdom are all about helping one another and not hurting one another or sinning against one another. Even in his, his great commission, so this is again supposed to be going out and spreading the gospel. He says is that, Preach the gospel to every creature, teaching others to obey all that I've commanded you. So in other words, part of the Great Commission itself is that we're supposed to be teaching these commands and telling people that this is what you need to observe, is all these commands of how to treat one another in this loving, peaceable, and just way. 
And so therefore it's, it's a little bit more than perhaps what we've been seeing before. Because if normally before, if I were asked, you know, what is the gospel? I would have said, well, you know, Christ died for our sins and I'm a sinner. And if I accept Jesus, then I get to go to heaven. You know, I'm made right with God and I can go to heaven. So while that's true, it's only a part of the entire picture. You know, the, the, the forgiveness of sins is how we enter into the kingdom, but it's not the entirety of the good news. The entirety of the good news is that God wants to be able to see this culture of love and justice and, and, and good relationship between him and each other to be lived out. And yes, forgiveness is with him is where it starts, but it's by far not the end of the story of the gospel. So then how does this gospel of the kingdom affect all areas of culture? So if we are spreading the gospel, we need to show what would life be like down here if God's will were done as it is in heaven. So we are proclaiming forgiveness in in heaven and following all of God's commands that will lead to community and personal wholeness and freedom. So as disciple of Christ, we should be living life thinking, what would God's will be in every area of society and culture? What would he want? And how, and this is also important, how would he want us to go about seeing it happen? And, and we see this all throughout scripture. We see that God dictates what his kingdom would look like. And it's all based on fairness and equality and care for one another. We see that in the Old Testament, even when he's trying to tell those laws in the Pentateuch uh, about how, you know, Israel was supposed to run. Most of these, if it really all of these laws are basically how to treat another one, one another well. I mean, like for instance, in the lending of money, you know, if you're, you're not supposed to charge interest to people who are your brothers, and if you do lend something to somebody that's perhaps, uh, you know, poor, you know, usually, obviously, you ask for collateral. Like, that's what you would do. You know, hey, I, I, need, some, I need to borrow money or I need to borrow uh, some type of uh, object that is important. Let me offer this pledge up as collateral, this important thing up as collateral. But, you know, God says, hey, if you're taking collateral, in other words, from a poor person, don't let it, you know, don't take something that he really needs, like the only coat off his back or the the grinding stone that he would need to be able to, to uh, you know, grind his food and do business. So, you know, be mindful of those things. He says to judge people fairly and not, you know, don't, don't uh, give special treatment to anybody in judgment because either they're rich or poor. So neither one. To treat everybody the same. So these are all laws that he's laid out to say like he really cares about the minutia of how we express our love for one another by how we do government, we do business, we you know do charity and all those things. I mean, look at the Good Samaritan. You know, the two greatest commandments, you know, that was the, the, this is the parable that came to the two greatest commandments, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And, you know, there's that person saying, well, who is my neighbor? You know, trying to say like, okay, well, I'm, do I have to really be good to everybody? And of course, the answer to the question is 
not really how, you know, who are the people that I'm supposed to be good to, but really I'm supposed to be a good neighbor to everybody. The answer is everybody I can help is my neighbor and it is my responsibility to do so. So loving my neighbor now means helping my community in all these areas to helping people and loving people through education, through charity, through how I do business, through government. You know, if people are educated well and in a righteous way, if people have what they need and they're growing and their ability to to, uh, provide for themselves and their family, and that includes business and people are being helped and new things are being invented that actually improve people's lives and, and government in which if we are running a government in such a way that it really does make sure that we are running it in a just way. That's going to help people. It's, it's ways that we love people. So how does this connect with disciple making? You know, here at CDM, we have what we call two axioms that deal with how are we supposed to seek to have the gospel change every aspect of culture and make disciples in the process. So the first part is redeem the system. And the second part is reach the people within the system. So first off, redeem the system. So the, and reach the people of the system. What I mean by that is we seek to change the laws and practices to make them reflect the law of God's kingdom, his will on earth as it is in heaven, while developing relationships and having conversations with the pe- in people we are dealing with and seeking to lead them to Christ and disciple them. So simply put, the, the, the redeeming the systems, we love our neighbors and do God's will on earth as in heaven by being involved in all areas of culture. And we teach everyone to do so as well. We have left this part out of the gospel. We basically said, hey, come into the doors and uh, the church and maybe be good to your own families, but we don't really talk as much about like how much we need to be reaching out and loving our neighbors through all these different ways to be seeking his kingdom come and his will be done. And, and so how can we, now the question is though, how can we pair this with making disciples? So I'm going to be using a, an example. So imagine if, you know, you have your local public school and it doesn't matter whether your kids attend public school or not. Just saying, imagine your local public school and you're thinking, I want to be able to reach this particular school for Christ. Well, the first off is you can be engaged in things like the PTA and the school board and things like that to make sure that the curriculum, you know, doesn't have anti-God damaging things in it. And then additionally, that it would be taught in a way that is really helpful to students, that really encourages their growth, that the school has what they need, that it's being run in a good way, and that you're active and involved in helping that to be done so. And so that because you're loving your neighbor and seeing God's will on earth, which is for people to be educated in a good way that is honoring to him in these ways. Now, but there's, there's a second part, which is reach the people. So as we are seeking to do good through helping out our schools in this way, we develop relationships with the people within that context and, and, and have conversations with them that lead to DBS. So, you know, as you're in, 
engaging with the PTA, the other parents in there, as you are engaging with the school board and some of the, the board members of the other people involved, as you're engaging with parents and kids and, and, and staff and teachers and all that, that you're seeking to develop relationships with people who are open to relationship with you and having these conversations that go from casual to meaningful to spiritual discovery. So deeper and deeper conversations about, you know, important things and about God that eventually where you can ask them, hey, you know, we've been talking about several stories from the Bible. Would you like to read more stories with me, and, you know, together? And so now we can invite them into the discipling process that will, you know, obviously prayerfully lead to both their conversion and them multiplying this out to other people and becoming disciples of God who make disciples. And so that's why it's important. This will make this make us very different than a lot of uh, sometimes that can happen inside of Christians or Christian organizations or other kinds of organizations that try to redeem systems is that we don't treat people as enemies or pariahs. So, you know, we're trying to win them, nor do we simply do the deed of the cause. So, you know, correct the rules without realizing that ultimately that the people that are involved are the cause as well. And so therefore we pray for and seek, uh, you know, the questioner and say, you know, hey, you know, try to convince them, be winsome. And, you know, again, just direct them to the Bible, you know. So in other words, you ask, why are you doing this? You can tell a story from the Bible as to why you believe something or why something that you feel is important to you. Connect with the needs of the people around you. You know, I so agree with you that we need to be caring for our students more. It reminds me of a story, uh, this story. You can tell a story of the Bible that connects with that feeling, that, that concept. And it, and it's, oh yeah, I really agree with that. And as you have more and more conversations, say, hey, you know, I've said a lot of stories of the Bible. Would you be interested in reading some more with me? So like I said, we connect that and be able to sit down now with people and help them be able to read the Bible for themselves and know how to to start responding for themselves and sharing it with other people and come to understand this plan of, uh, of, of forgiveness that God has in the gospel of the kingdom. So when people ask you know, why we believe, we don't just say that we're Christian. We tell a story that illustrates what we believe. And we pray that through this process, people will be drawn to God and not just off-put by it. And so, you know, as also, for instance, we're doing in our disciple-making communities and also our discovery Bible studies with lost people, you know, part of that discovery Bible uh, process is what are the needs of my community? This is a very often overlooked question out of this whole thing. And it just tells us how much loving our neighbors at ourselves as ourselves has been just kind of discarded as like, well, well, you know, yada, 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 move on to the next thing. But we have to realize it's the second greatest commandment. And so, in fact, we love God by loving others. And so therefore, let's, let's really utilize this both in our lives and the, other li- and the people that we're trying to disciple and help them make steps in loving their neighbors through government and through education and through just caring for their neighbors and helping the people around them. And, you know, it, it starts with just helping individuals, helping your neighbor, being aware with the, the needs of the people around you. 
and your even your coworkers or something, and then expanding to getting involved in these different spheres, these different spheres. And so we need to keep the great commandment of loving your neighbors yourself as a part of the Great Commission, like it was supposed to in the first place. And we are constantly asking people to take ownership of God's commands within their culture through obedience and helping as they're going through. So now, because we're asking people, what are you going to do to be able to meet the needs of the community? And we're not telling them, but also this will transcend cultural barriers that, you know, whether we're, we're dealing with a, a Latino part of our communities or a refugee part of our communities, or whether it's from the upside of town or the lower side of town or the hard side of town or the rich side of town, whatever it is, it can move along with the culture because now we're reaching people within each place and helping them be able to see for themselves, how can I be able to help the people around me and see that this is connected, intimately connected to their, their growing belief or the, even their cur- either their current or their growing belief in God. So here is not just a dotted line of hope, but what we call in CDM, not just a dotted line of hope, but a solid line of planning of how the gospel changes culture. We redeem the system. We, we engage each area and says, let's see God's will happen where we are. And we reach the people within the systems. We're seeking to make disciples of our, of our government leaders and their staffers, of the, the people who are running our schools and all the staff and the kids and the parents. Make disciples of people who are running our charities and some of the, the businesses around us. And, you know, we're, we're seeking to get to know them, to have conversations with them, and to connect them with the Bible where they can learn to see who God is for themselves and know how to live out, to to obey Him and share Him with others and become disciples of Christ Himself. And now, it's not just a hope. It's now, okay, people know now how to be able to obey God Because it's all a part of the gospel of the kingdom. We see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast. Like, share, rate, and review to share the love with others. Uh, You've been listening to the CDM podcast. Thank you so much and go and make disciples. Disciples.